The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Today on the Court TV Podcast, as the Weinstein trial kicks off, we go Weinstein in depth, a look at the defense, the many changes from the big names who've tried famous cases to those stepping up now into the national spotlight. Is Weinstein looking to produce his own trial? This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinny Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Core TV Podcast. I'm Seema Iyer here with my co-host and pal, Vinnie Politan. Great to be here and uh, great to be uh, talking the law. Law. The law. There's some people that say la, la, like, like I went to law school. And I said, what are you, a singer? La, like la, I went la, to la, 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 Yeah, no, it's law. Law. Okay. It's an A-W. All and right. it's great talking about Harvey Weinstein. Okay, so today, the Weinstein. revolving door. Of Weinstein lawyers, it's it's an, it's crazy, right? When when this is the, the ultimate client, right? Because he's got a triable case to a certain extent, right? Plus, he's got so much money. He does, he does. Even though most criminal defendants don't have money like that. That's true. That's true. But there is a history of celebrity clients doing what he's doing, and that is going from lawyer to lawyer to lawyer, or as you said. Producing his own trial. I think that's what he's doing here. It's like it's like a casting call, and he's had people in, and he's he's tried them out, and things just don't work out for whatever you know, uh, creative differences you know that a director and an actor might have, or a producer and an actor and a director may have. And and to me, um, I'm shocked by all of it because the names that have come through, all solid attorneys, like really good and successful, and could try this case. Yet for whatever reason, this revolving door to me. Uh, that tells me more about the client than the lawyers. Well, word on the street is that he is incredibly difficult and that he acts almost as a paralegal to the lawyers. That's uh, dangerous. Right. And I actually tried to reach out to the investigators on this case because uh, they, and they, they, I think they're still the investigators. They're a bunch of ex NYPD defense investigators, defense investigators. Right. And so, you know, I was with the NYPD, so I had some contacts and I reached out, but he, even the investigation part is controlling that. So it's not just the lawyers and contacting the lawyers. He is with the investigators. And I believe at some point in the last six months, there were even pictures taken of him having coffee with his investigators. So wow. he is all over this. Well, his life is at stake, so I, I understand that. I and would, he has no job. I would be the, right. He's so this is, this is his job. This is his job to to try to save himself from the rest of his life in prison, which is what he's facing here. So let's start with the first attorney, and and this one was a, a natural, uh, Ben Brofman, Benjamin love, Brofman. Love him. He is a a, a New Yorker. He's a New York attorney. He could try cases anywhere, but really, this is his home home court. Yes, it right? is. If, if he's playing a sport, this would be a home match for him, uh, for Ben Brofman. Uh, I first uh, had an interaction with Ben Brofman at the Sean Puffy Combs trial. Right. Years I ago. I remember that. You remember? I mean, Puffy was facing prison time. Yeah. Puffy for for uh, weapons possession and bribery charges, and... He was the lead attorney in that case. And just to give folks at home an idea of how good, how well-respected he is and, and, and how, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a great lawyer. 
his co-counsel. He was the lead counsel, right? Right. So, so who do you think it was his co-counsel that came in? That kind of like on, on the side. Who was his co-counsel? Who wasn't the lead? Johnny Cochran. Was oh, I like, didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Johnny Cochran was like the sidekick counsel in that case. Now, obviously, Johnny Cochran's Johnny Cochran, right? Uh, at that moment. But Ben Brockman was the lead for Puffy, and Johnny Cochran was kind of like the sidekick at the trial. And of course, Sean Puffy Combs found not guilty yeah, yeah. and, you know, did not serve time in, in prison for, you know, guns and firing guns and attempting to bribe people, all that sort of stuff. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. So um, and I got to see him there. And what I took away from it is he's not a, a, the tallest guy, right? Have you ever stood next to him? I've stood next to him dozens of times in the How courthouse, 100 Center Street. See, I don't want to say this because I feel bad now. So I've stood next to him a lot. With uh, or without mostly- heels. I don't really wear that high heels, especially in court. Okay. You know, I, I mean, on TV, I'll wear higher Even heels. Even for closing arguments, you don't whip out the heels? Not. Oh, there maybe was maybe a... two, three inches. Okay. So I am five, two and a half. And I. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't want to say. He was taller than you, wasn't he? Can we go to the next segment? Okay. So. <laughs> but he is fierce in the courtroom. I mean, the cross-exam, and this was a case where there were witnesses, right? There weren't people accusing Puffy of anything, but right. witnesses who saw things. Right. And he tore him apart. Well, I have. Apart like a pit bull. Yes. And I've seen, uh, I, I've attended several of his lectures, okay? And the, the what stands out for me about Ben Brothman is his preparation. So whether Intense. Right. So this was, you know, you're talking about the case from 1999. I believe that even if it was 1989 or before then, he was preparing the same for the guy who couldn't afford the lawyer as he is for the guy who is Sean Diddy Combs and who can afford the world. Well, I think he was world. Puffy at the time. He was Puffy oh, at oh, the time. Puffy. Okay. That's why I refer to him All as right, Puffy because I think that was right around the time that he switched switched from Puffy to Oh, right. Puff I Daddy think that's why he changed his name because of the trial. To P. Diddy. Right. I mean, there's been an evolution of it. So. Ben Brothman, though, he is one of those people, and he talks about, you know, his preparation. There is not, you know, when he gets discovery, he looks at every single piece of paper himself. He doesn't rely on his associates. He does everything himself. And the, the most important piece of advice that I got from him during a lecture, which I think carries on to television and perhaps in, you know, in other occupations of our listeners may have, and that is when you're in front of a jury, you have to be yourself because if you are not yourself, they can tell. And I think it is the same. And I, I just, you know, you watch so many lawyers like, I want to be like Ben Brothman or I want to be like Johnny Cochran. But he said you can take uh, work ethic and, and uh, you know, certain qualities and, and try to learn from them. But you have to be yourself. Otherwise, the jurors can tell. Let me tell you, if, I think that's if, great if advice. Ben Brothman is himself, I would never want to get into an argument with him because I, it, it was it was scary. And and you talk about the preparation. That's the key to cross-examination in a courtroom is you have to know everything yeah. and know more than the witness about the case and about everything that they have done. So that preparation gets you in a position where you can uh, annihilate a witness who is adverse to your case. Now, the fact that he was hired did not surprise me at all. It's it's a New York case. So Ben Brockman in front of a New York jury? 
I mean, he knows how to relate to them. He well, understands and, and them. And he is someone who, like, if you walk around the courthouse, you know, I am not personally friends with him or anything like that, but he is someone that, because he knows you by sight, he will say hello. So all the court officers know him. Uh you know, other lawyers know him, the judges know him, and he's very personable. And that is uh, an attribute in trying a case like the Harvey Weinstein case, as opposed to bringing in lawyers from other states that nobody bringing knows in the courthouse. Right? Yeah, it's but, tough. And, and, you know, I always use this test, like, okay, if I got into trouble in New York, who would I hire? And that would be the first name that comes to mind. So I wasn't surprised he was part of this whole um, team initially, right? I mean, he, he had success with uh, Puffy and then was... Did you know he was hired at one time by Michael Jackson? When Gergis, Mark oh, Gergis, yes, was, yes. was representing Michael Jackson at the same time he was representing Scott Peterson. Yes. Um, ben Brofman was part of that team, but okay. then that team was replaced because Gergis had the conflict because he was doing the Scott Peterson case at the same time they brought in Tom Mesro. But that was, you know, all right, now he's, he's known from the Puffy trial. Everyone in New York already knew him. And now he was going national, um, but has had success. But then uh, they had a falling out, you know. And the, the one statement that Brofman made, which I thought was really interesting, related to this case in a, in a press conference, he said, Mr. Weinstein did not invent the casting couch in Hollywood. Bad behavior is not on trial in this case, which told me kind of where they were going, where they'll admit that, okay, inappropriate, perhaps inappropriate uh, relationship with people that you work with or anything, but it's all consensual. Right, but it's it's the same thing with like the Matt Lauer and the Charlie Rose, and that okay, it's not necessarily criminal. Those, yes, it, yes, exactly. It's not criminal. It's consensual. But what these cases all have in common: Weinstein, Matt Lauer, and again, when I say cases, I mean you know stories, as opposed to criminal cases, is that the power dynamic between those who have within their hands the ability to change the course of your career. That is now what is on trial. Yeah, absolutely. So Brofman and Weinstein break up, and they release a statement. It's an amicable <laughs> a joint statement. They did. They did. I have it in my hands <laughs> right here. Oh, I don't even know if I want to read the whole thing, but um, Harvey Weinstein and his criminal defense lawyer, Benjamin Brofman, have agreed to part ways, and Mr. Weinstein has authorized Mr. Bronfman to formally notify Judge Burke of his decision to withdraw his counsel from Mr. Weinstein in connection with all legal matters currently pending. And they wished each other luck, and uh, there's going to be no additional comments. So they're not going to talk about this anymore. Okay, before we wrap this segment, do you think it's a money thing? Do you think that's what happened? No, no. It can, you, it, it so can, you think it's just because he's such a tough client? He's a tough client, and, you know, he probably saw things one way, and Brofman wanted to try it another way that he's done successfully in the past and was unable to do that, so they sort of butted heads. I think what was happening is that all the decisions and and things Brofman wanted to do, Harvey Weinstein is running by other attorneys, getting second opinions. And they've talked about this in the media, that, yeah, he likes second opinions for everything. He said Harvey Weinstein would get a second opinion on a tuna fish sandwich, okay, <laughs> before he ate it. So... Uh, maybe Brofman and he couldn't work in that sort of um, relationship where, you know, everything that your lead attorney, who has been very successful at what he does, is being second opinion by other lawyers. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. weird. So Brofman's out, right? He's out of the case. So who does, who does? Where do they go to? next? <laughs> they go to a lawyer I know very well from covering his incredibly 
um, high-profile case down in Central Florida. The man who represented Casey Anthony and walked her out of the courthouse eventually. Walked her out. Jose Baez. We'll talk about him next. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front-row seat to justice. Jose Baez. This is your boy. Let me do my... boy. Mr. Baez. That's what Judge uh, Belvin Perry used to say during the course of the trial. Another friend of yours. Yeah, yeah. You've had him on the show. Plenty of times. Awesome guy. Now, you say another friend of mine. Who's the other one? Jose Baez. No, not a friend of mine. Why? Don't you guys love each other? He does not like me. Everybody likes you. No, Jose. It's kind of annoying. Honestly, let's just do a... Can we do a sidebar about everyone liking you when it makes... It's annoying because I'm probably the most disliked anchor and you're the most loved and it just it ruins my day jose, no, jose day. baez i believe does not like me what is that i've heard like? through, through people 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 talk people talk people talk, people talk. And, I, and i think it's because of my analysis of the uh casey anthony trial and what happened down there obviously i felt one way about the evidence he felt another way i felt <laughs> one way about some of the defense tactics and arguments and and he felt another way about them so but here's 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 the, the take on Jose Baez, you know, this is a guy who knows how to reach a jury. If you're going to try the case, right, and he's your lead man, you're in good shape. Okay, but I just want to ask you this question because you do know him so well. And especially when you're comparing Ben Brofman, right? Like Ben Brofman, to me, he had the style and the substance. Jose, different style. Right, different style, but also the substance. You know, he had the intellect, the preparation, all of that. Jose Baez, to me, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I do not know him that well, seems more style, like more like street smarts and stylish. Oh, absolutely. And, okay, as opposed to, you know, like a nerdy legal guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Now, he, he may be able to do the other part as well, but from what I've seen in court, right? So when he tried the Casey Anthony trial, that was his first Big, big trial, right? And the nation is watching, and he won it. He won a case that was not winnable, and he did it. Totally unwinnable. He did it because he bonded with the jury. Little subtle things. Every morning before court, he'd say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And you would hear the entire jury repeat, good morning. They loved the guy. They loved him. Really? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't see it. No, they loved him. Yeah, I don't. And, and think about what he's also done, representing Casey Anthony. He represented Aaron Hernandez, a convicted murderer, an evil guy. Uh, but that was after he got No, he was convicted. He was convicted of murder. Yes, no, Aaron no, no. Hernandez. Right, but I'm saying that so after Jose Baez became famous, right. then he got Aaron Hernandez. Absolutely. But the, the, the job he did for this guy, this guy was an evil Convicted murderer, now being tried for another double murder. And Jose Baez, despite the court of public opinion, gets a not guilty verdict. It's insane. Another unwinnable case. And to me, it's all about him creating that relationship with the jury, knowing how to make a great opening statement and a great closing argument. All the stuff in the middle... You mean the law? No, no, no. I mean like the 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 evidence, getting things into evidence and things like that. He's gotten much, much better at that as well. 
But that's not that's not his his bread and butter. His bread and butter is connecting with the jury, and ultimately, he gets jurors to trust him and trust what he's saying and trust what he's arguing. So when he was hired by Harvey Weinstein, I said, okay, if he's if he's the voice in the courtroom doing the arguments, and and he's the one that'll create that bond, Weinstein probably is in really good hands. Now the in between stuff with the cross examination of of accusers and things like that. He might be very good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that because I haven't Wait, seen that. But how was he cross-examining for the Casey Anthony trial? No, he was good. Okay. He, was, he was good. But this is different. Like in, in the sex, sexual assault. Right, right, it's, right, right. It's a whole different beast. That so, was a missing baby. Right. You have yeah. to, you'd have to see someone actually do yes, that. No, 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 it's a no, you're different right. kind of cross-examination. Um, and his forte has been murder trials where people are trying to put his client, you know, on death row and, and he and did a great job. He, he and and I don't know if he'll ever hear this, and if this will change his opinion of me. But I'm not saying this to change his opinion of me. I'm just saying this because what I do, what I see, I call him as I see him. And what I've seen are two amazing verdicts. And that's at the end of the, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. If you're a criminal defendant, is what is my result going to be? How do we get there? The other thing he'll do is I think he'll go through the wall. He'll say anything. He'll argue anything that he has to in that case. I like that. I like Relentless. that. I li- Relentless. I, 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 I like that. Now, what did you think when he came on? And so he had to actually get, as we know, a pro hoc vice. And so just so our listeners know, basically, if you come in, if you are licensed in a different state, and so you're licensed in Florida, but you want to try a case in New York, for instance, you have to hook up with a licensed New York lawyer and then uh, basically just fill out uh, a form we call it pro hoc vice and it's basically it's just like something you know that says um you know i am in good standing in my state and you have a lawyer sponsor you yeah they kind of vouch for you they say vouch for he's you. good he's, he's good, good right Plus and this guy that's how my cousin isn't that how my cousin Vinny tried that case well in the movie i think so yeah but i tried. didn't have a so but no, did one he have vouch- vice? no one vouched for him he was just practicing i, don't I know. mean it's pretty easy i've done it in florida indiana virginia california new jersey I think that's it. But um, so, yeah. So and sometimes, you know, actually, sometimes you, if it's not that serious of a case, I've just gone in with my license and they'll um, let you in and they let you in, yeah. you know, so it's good. But so that's so he had. So at that time with the Jose Baez team, uh, Duncan Levin, who's a former Manhattan prosecutor, was their New York presence. Yeah. So they, and and I thought at this point, OK, Jose Baez is going to try the most high profile case in the country once again. Right. And, and can he do it? A third time, you know, in a super high-profile case where it seems like uh, the world has is against his client, and and the court of public opinion has already found this person guilty, can he do it a third time? So I was really fascinated by all of it, and then I was sort of surprised when there was a second falling out. Oh, and by the way, I think we should also point out, which is really interesting, because you know you were talking about Jose Baez, how he connects with the jury, and he has that personality. But when it comes to the law part, they brought in Ronald Sullivan, who is a Harvard professor. Yeah, Harvard Smarty. Yeah, right. And that's it's great to have on your team. And 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 I think if, so. When what you ha- do you oh, when sorry. you have a team, sorry. right? People playing yeah. their different roles. It seemed like it was a perfect combination. Huge team. But what happened? What do you think happened? Uh, I, again, it's big personalities. I mean, Jose Baez now is established as probably one of the most famous attorneys in the country. 
um, likes to run things the way he runs them and has an idea of how to try the case. And I think it might be very similar to what happened with Brockman is that everything is being second opinioned and, and you have a client who is communicating with other attorneys about decisions you are making and that relationship isn't there. I mean, the relationship has to be close, right? You cannot be on different pages and represent someone, can you? I don't think so. I think also it's a chemistry issue. I think you have to have good chemistry, that attorney client, for it to work. Because otherwise, if you are fighting with your lawyer or your team the entire time, the jury is going to not only see it, but they're going to feel it. They're going to feel it. So then Jose out the case. And, and I, you know, it's like they're about to try the case and all of a sudden he's gone. And um, I was shocked. Well, not only is Jose out, but he also lost that New York presence, Duncan Levin, but not to fret, because not only do we have some New York lawyers who are on the case, still on the case, they're a married couple. So we're going to talk about lawyers in love, lawyers in love. That's next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Harvey Weinstein's New York lawyers are not only excellent, renowned, but they're married. Is that the coolest thing? Yeah, that is that is uh, fascinating, right? A uh, husband, wife, team together. So they go to work and work together all day and then go home and they're together all day. That's a lot of together. That's a lot of love. I thought I would kill myself. A whole myself. lot of love. Okay, so Arthur Idella. Now, you know him because not only is he a legal presence, but he's a television personality. Yes, I've ne- I don't think I've met him actually in person, but have been on the air with him several times, talked to him on social media, you know, well wishes, all that sort of stuff. So I feel like I know him. Plus just his 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 presence is like people I grew up with, right? Yes, very right? much. He is. He does have that. He's very warm. So Arthur Idella, uh been practicing law for o- over 25 years, former prosecutor, Brooklyn DA's office. He is someone that I would see around. Now, he does state and federal, and he does a lot of it. And uh, I would see him around the courthouse. And when I say the courthouse, I always mean 100 Center Street. But I would see him around maybe once every few weeks, once a month. Always very nice to me. You know, did not, I don't think he knows me, but it was just one of those guys where if you recognize your face, hey, how you doing? Very well-dressed. Yes. (laughs) Painfully well-dressed. Yeah. That's part of his whole thing. His shtick. Yeah. Yeah, because he looked like either he was just coming from television or going to television. Yeah. But uh, really well, like, you know, totally, he's like you. He's very much of a guy's guy. So he is like buddy-buddy with the court officers talking about, you know, Yankees or football or whatever. And really, like I said, warm. Great guy. Right. So, you know the Yankees are a baseball team, right? Yeah. I know. I was just like, want to make sure. Well, no, but I'm talking about the season. So right. Yankees in the spring. Right. Football in the fall. Right. Thank you very much. Good okay. Job. And uh, speaking of football, okay, Arthur Idala has represented NFL Hall of Famer Lawrence Taylor. I think he's represented Tiki Barber. Barber, right? Yeah. Tiki Barber, that's Giants. Giants. Okay. He's also a Giant. Has a twin. Uh, so, yeah, so he is a very, very prestigious lawyer, uh, television, legal analyst, commentator, and part of his team 
includes his now wife, Marianne Bertuna. Now, Marianne Bertuna, also a prestigious lawyer, her specialty is actually DUIs. Now, they have a firm together, which, and this is another really cool fact. So, Idala, Bertuna, and Caymans. Do you know Barry How would you like to be that third wheel, though? How do you, how do you end up being Wait, the third wheel it's now? Not, no, it's not a third wheel. Do you know, see, I don't know if you know only because as a New Yorker, a New York lawyer, Caymans is a god. He wrote the actual book. Like, when I say he wrote the book, he wrote the book on New York search and seizure. So okay. we're talking about Fourth Amendment, folks. So, and it's just like, if you're a New York lawyer, he's like a rock star. But what's it like if you're running a firm and, like, your partners are married? Like, don't they outvote you on everything, right? I don't think, you know, I'll be honest with you. So, uh, Caymans was a judge. I think he's kind of, like, a figurehead there. Oh, okay. Like, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I like think of counsel. Yeah, deal. I gotcha. think Idala and Bertuna are doing uh, the day-to-day. Are doing the day-to-day. So, okay, so, fine. They're the lawyers. And here's here's the deal. You know, Weinstein, I think when they first came on, people assumed that maybe they were just the pro hoc vice, just, you know, that. But uh, Arthur Idala has a lot of appeals um, in his background, so he, I think, is doing a lot of the legal work. And I, and I, I also... Okay, so he's so going to be like the law guy. I I think so. So, But also on the team is Diana Sampson. I do remember her. She was a former Manhattan DA, and she was with the Manhattan DA's office for a long time. So I think... Uh, and she did appeals and trials in the Manhattan DA's office. So I think there's a group of people together. Also important that, you know, if you're a lawyer from out of state, whether you're a Jose Baez or someone else, you can't file motions. So you need your New York presence to right. actually file the motions and, and you know, have your bar number on it and all that. So I think Arthur's doing a lot of that. But, okay, enough of the boring legal stuff. So Marianne Vartuna and Arthur Idella, they were partners in law office. And then... Uh, they basically, you know, it was like this, I, I don't know, maybe like an un, a secret, I don't know. But in June of 2015, when Arthur Idella, and at that time he was a Fox News legal contributor, when he was inducted as the 100th president of the Brooklyn Bar Association, he goes in there, and and this was reported by Page Six. So apparently Bertuna Idella. So it's got to be true. It's got <laughs> New York Post, Page Six. And one source says that Bertuna was seen flashing a blinding diamond ring that one guest described as, quote-unquote, bigger than the Ritz. <laughs> Is that cute? And, okay, so cuter, we're getting to cuter, he proposed in a boat in Central Park. Oh, my God, it's not cute. Yeah, that's, so cute. That's, it's very New York. So cute, so cute. Okay, so... And she said yes. She said yes. They got married in front of 300 people, including one of your exes. Oh, no. Who? Um, you know. One of my ex-anchor, co-anchors. Well, you have no ex-girlfriend. You and your wife right. have been married since you were like 12. Right, right. So, so. my ex-anchor, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle? Yes. Very good. Right. Kimberly so. Guilfoyle Trump. Oh. <laughs> she's, she's, yeah. Yeah. She's no, been no. dating I, the, yes. Donald Trump Jr. Well, yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah. No, no. You're right. You're right. Actually, I, let me see. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. So Kimberly Guilfoyle didn't go, but she sent messages because she was at the White House Correspondence Center at the time. But she is a, 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 I guess, a friend. Good of friend, theirs. yeah, a from good, Fox, yeah, a good friend of theirs. And um, Alan Dershowitz was at another friend of mine wedding. Um, Geraldo Rivera, who I think's real name is Jerry Rivers, but that's not Geraldo. Him. Awesome guy. I don't. I can't confirm that, but no, I think is. his name is Jerry Rivers. Might be, but okay. he's he's awesome. That's all I'm saying. 
So don't talk um, bad about. So Geraldo. no, I'm not going to talk bad. But they had like a very lovely celebrity wedding. They had a lovely wedding, and uh, yeah, and so he not only did he represent Lawrence Taylor, but the day after the wedding, apparently Arthur Idella is really into his like bro time, male bonding time. So the day after the wedding, he co-hosted a golf outing with Rudy Giuliani and Lawrence Taylor. That's an interesting pairing. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, and okay, so not only that, but and so here's also something interesting that may have. Is this an episode of The Bachelor that we're doing now? Oh God, Is I that... wish. Can we do that podcast instead? No. It'd be so much more fun. No. You know why? Well, you know why? Because you couldn't do it. Because we could have to. Ha- we'd have to have Ted the Tuna Rollins. Yeah, sit he in watches. For you. I don't. I do not watch that. We religiously you do watch that without it. me. Okay, thank you. So, all right. So they're um, married. They're married, but okay. So this is something that I think. Actually, I think the Harvey Weinstein case may be derailing Arthur Idala's political ambitions because so it was reported that at some point he filed paperwork. This is in 2016 with the State Board of Elections because he was thinking about running for Brooklyn D.A. Wow. Yeah. So now that was 2016. Clearly, he wasn't um, brought on to this case until 2019. However, uh, moving forward, I think it was it was the following year in 2017 when he reportedly said that uh, there was some um there, there there was some at least reporting or speculation that maybe he would run for some other type of office and he even was uh at least a source said that he has been reported that he's been inspired by Donald Trump and in that, an outsider could come in and change the system. So, uh, but you think representing Harvey Weinstein uh, somehow derails a public career? Do you, okay. do you think that? Do you think that's actually true? That that the public doesn't want people represented. By, and and, and no, I'm a former prosecutor. No, I'm talking and, about the time factor, okay? Because so so at at some point, I think after. Um, Donald Trump was elected. At that point, there was further speculation that he would run for either a public advocate or state attorney general. And, uh, and, and you know, maybe he had this exploratory committee. Again, that's all speculation. However, I'm saying that if this process was going on, he's running his law firm, which is a very, very busy, prestigious firm, and Weinstein calls at some point, I mean, just because the 2020 election is coming up. So I don't know if there's any you know, correlation to that or what he'd be applying for or, or you know, campaigning for. The, bo- the bottom line is representing Harvey Weinstein is a full-time job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it pays well. And it pays well. And so right now. So you want to keep buying those big diamond uh, rings, you got to pay for them. Especially if it's your law partner. So right now, the New York-based team is Arthur Idala, his wife and law partner, Marianne Bertuna, and their associate, Diana Sampson, Diana Fabi Sampson. So this is the New York team, but it's not, it's not it. There are more lawyers because Harvey Weinstein, he does nothing small. So next up, the final casting call. He's casting the lead. Casting the lead. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front-row seat to justice. Justice. 
it was time, Vinny. Harvey Weinstein needed one thing, one thing to complete his legal team. What was that? Leonardo DiCaprio. Why? Why do you say something like that? What does that have to do with him? He's a what great does, actor. What, He's probably what one of my favorite actors. What does Leonardo DiCaprio have to do with defending a sexual assault You want to win, don't you? You need a good lead. Is there anyone better than Leo? Is your blood sugar low? <laughs> what is the? I don't even know what you're talking about. No. What does he need? He needs a lead defense attorney. He needs someone who can no. cross-examine the female accusers. And what does it take? It takes a female attorney. Thank you. Thank you. Although Leo could pull it off. If anybody could pull it off, Leo could. <laughs> I can't believe how this segment has been derailed and we just started. Okay, so Harvey Weinstein has brought on board Donna Rotuna. Yes. She is a 42-year-old female lawyer, criminal defense attorney. She's been criminal defense for about 15 years. Before that, she was a prosecutor. She's always been in Chicago. And she is Harvey Weinstein's new lead attorney. Now, she is also bringing in a second chair. His name is Damon Chironis, and he's basically, you know, practices in Chicago, and I think she just really needed someone, and I've spoken to her, and it sounded like, you know, they've tried cases together before, and a lot of solo practitioners, you know, do this. They they pull, like, another colleague mm, or Bounce friend, ideas off each other. Bounce ideas well. off, and also physically, they're in the same law office, so that's, so I the question is, is she, how where did, did she come from? I've, okay, I've, that is the question. So I don't know how Harvey Weinstein found her, but there is this really elaborate article about her in Chicago Magazine, and this was from February of 2018, and it does describe her as being uh, one of the foremost lawyers in this, uh, you know, sexual assault. Okay. Field. And and and, at the and end it's of the, been her expertise. At the end of the day, it's it's it. To me, the team, you know, having a female lead is important because of who the accusers are going to be, who, who all these witnesses are going to be. Um, and it's probably a little more comfortable for uh, a woman, just the, the way it looks, right, to do these cross-examinations, which have to be effective. You've got to undermine the credibility of these women. Exactly. And this is her bread and butter, Vinny. This is all she has been doing. In fact, this is, this is kind of nuts. So... She hasn't lost a sexual assault case, and this was a rape, since 2010, at the time of this article, which was wow. February of 2018. So you're talking for eight years not losing a trial? That's, that's, that's unheard of. That's, that's, really, un right. that's unheard of is what that is. And obviously, if there, I guess if there are cases that were really bad, maybe there were some pleas in the middle, but these are cases that she actually tried, where she goes into the courtroom, does the cross-examination of the accuser, and at the end of the day, the jury is believing her side, yes, not the prosecution. Yes, yes. and so oh, wow. you know, I spoke to her on the phone, and I found her to be very relatable in the sense that she sounds a lot like what I've been through. You know, former prosecutor, criminal defense attorney, actually, you know, handling a large volume of criminal cases, not white collar stuff like street crimes, and now, but now her focus seems to be sex crimes. Uh, the one thing I also liked about her is that, you know, she talks about her parents and talks about how their values have kind of seeped into her professional practice and how she handles things. She wrote an op-ed, actually, for Newsweek, and she starts the entire the first sentence of the op-ed. She writes, my father always told me to never let emotions cloud your intellect. 
on the issue of Harvey Weinstein's prosecution between the passionate activists and formidable advocates assisted by media, my father's lesson is often disregarded. In this op-ed, she goes on to say and express that uh, the truth will come out and that the trial is going to allow Mr. Weinstein to demonstrate how harmful jumping to conclusions can be. Everything she wrote in this op-ed was corroborated by what she said to me on the phone. She completely, completely believes that he is, I'm not talking about not guilty. I'm saying innocent. Innocent. She she believes him. Wow. Well, and you need, and I think that's what you need in this case, because if she believes it'll be a lot more, a lot easier to convince a jury of something if you truthfully believe in it rather than trying to like play act or just say they haven't proven their case. No, no, you're talking about a man who's been wrongfully accused, which to me is a much stronger position to come from. And, um, but I'm still amazed by this record of not losing. I know. I, that, that, no, I would never say, I mean, I've sadly I've lost, but I think, you know, this, this whole principle of it's kind not of really, sad that you lost if your client was guilty. Right, yeah, no, no. I mean, right. I I'd always had, and I will tell you this, Vinny, I have won rape cases, and um, one in particular, you know, I knew for a fact that he was guilty, and I won the case, and I'm not kidding you, I think I cried for three days. Like, I didn't leave my apartment. I was so depressed that justice wasn't served. Like, I did my job, right? but the prosecutors, I felt, like, why didn't you bring it, and why? And it's just a side note, but I, listen, I agree with it's you. It's not I easy. Completely, no, it's not easy. I've won and, like, been, you know, depressed, but... um. But I do think, and you referred to this, you know, this idea of her believing him. I think as a defense attorney, when you look at a jury, you have to buy what you're trying to sell. Like in that moment of giving a closing argument, you have to go all in. But with her, it seems very genuine. You know, I, I, I know times that I've had to manufacture that feeling. With her, it seems incredibly genuine. She seems really hardworking 24 hours a day. But I think what is going to be controversial uh-oh. Is her blatant, um, I don't know what the word is. Like, I mean, she is basically, like, <laughs> going against the Me Too movement in a very open and verbal way. Uh, and I, I, I just want to actually, someone that we know very well, Gloria Allred, uh, when she was talking about Gloria Allred, and this was before she took on the Harvey Weinstein case, she said about Gloria Allred, uh, what her career has turned into is throwing herself in front of a TV camera before any investigation has been done. And that was before. Okay, so she was kind of budding the Me Too movement. And after that she was hired by Harvey Weinstein, so this is uh, July 11, 2019, in Vogue magazine, they wrote an article, The Four Most Troubling Facts About Harvey Weinstein's New Lawyer. And, you know, number one, she's made a career defending men accused of sexual misconduct. Number two, she began the Weinstein case by condemning Me Too. Uh, and, and, and she has, you know, she comes out against the Me Too movement. Number three, she views her gender as an asset in her job, which we both agree is an asset in this type of... Absolutely. Uh, in this type of... Uh, defense. And number four, she is aggressive and a bulldog in the courtroom. Now, this bothers Wait, me. Did they label that troubling? Yeah. Why do they label that troubling? Well, That's how our system works. Exactly. If we don't have advocates like that doing the job, then the system does not work. And I'm a prosecutor. 
Okay. Uh, that's who I am. That's the way I see the world. But I, I, you know, I understand the importance, the significance of having strong defense attorneys who dedicate their lives and their professions to it. Because if they don't keep it in check, then we've got real problems. I mean, real problems in this country. So we need that pushback. Without the pushback of people who are like you are describing, um, the system falls apart. Well, I really appreciate you saying that as a lawyer. Uh, you know, for me as a woman, this is coming out in Vogue magazine and Vogue magazine calling a woman aggressive and a bulldog in the courtroom under the heading of being troubling is bothersome because I thought yeah. Vogue magazine is like a feminist magazine. Exactly. So, so, so you know, this this whole Me Too movement is is almost we're forgetting our allegiance to our gender. Last question on her. Sure. Does she have a thick Chicago accent? No, no. And how will no. that play in New York? No, I think she's really well-spoken. She's very fashionable and well-dressed. Wow. And uh, she's just so diligent and so hardworking. You can hear it in her voice. I, I think I think he's really fortunate. All right. So we're going to have a fair fight. We are going to have a fair fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you want to uh, follow this fight, what you have to do is watch us on television. Yes. And, you know, we are on uh, broadcast television. You know, our signal goes through the airwaves. It does. So if you have a digital antenna, make sure you rescan it so you can pick up Court TV and get everything as it's happening inside that courtroom in the Harvey Weinstein rape trial. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.